Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 38. Welcome back to the Medical School HQ Podcast. This is the place to learn how to excel as a pre-med student, learn what it takes to survive medical school, and turn your dream of becoming a physician into reality. We're bringing you the most unbiased, honest, and accurate information available online. My name is Ryan Gray, and I'm excited to host another great podcast for you today. And today we do have a great guest for you today. We have Dr. Vanit Arora. And she is from the futuredocsblog.com. And I've linked to her site before from a different podcast, just uh, giving a resource. But today I actually have her on to talk about writing personal statements. And I stumbled across one of her articles on her blog about personal statements. And it, I wanted to reach out to her and actually talk to her and get her on the, the podcast to talk about them. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Aurora. She's an associate program director for the Internal Medicine Residency and assistant dean of scholarship and discovery at the Pritzker School of Medicine for the University of Chicago. I hope you get something out of the discussion I have with her about personal statements and things to avoid and and what to think about when writing your personal statement. Before we get into that, though, as I always do, I want to thank the four people that left awesome five-star ratings and reviews for us this week in iTunes. We have Basketball and Medicine 23, Comet 34, Two Chili, and Future Dr. Dan. All of them left uh, wonderful reviews. They took a couple minutes of their time to to write something nice and gave us five-star ratings. So if you haven't had a chance yet to leave us a review and leave us a rating, you can do so at medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes, and that'll bring you right into iTunes where you can leave us a, a review. Or if you're on an iOS device, you can rate us right inside the podcast app. So let's get started with Dr. Aurora and the interview with her. We started the interview by talking about her path into medicine. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so my path into medicine 
uh, started, um, I was a pre-med actually at Johns Hopkins University, uh, which, and I was a major in biology and I survived. So that was definitely a, an experience. And I went to medical school at WashU in St. Louis. And um, one of the reasons I went to medical school uh, was really because I really enjoyed science and I also really enjoyed physiology. And it seemed like a great way to kind of blend the two. Um, I didn't, yeah, I will, I will say I was, I often um, felt like I did not know enough about medical careers myself going through. So I've been passionate about a career coaching others in my shoes. And then um, at WashU, I, um, I partake in a lot of activities uh, related to learning about things like public health and health administration. And I didn't know where that would lead me to until I finished my residency. And then I decided I finished my residency at University of Chicago and decided at that time, um, it was time to stop and pursue a public policy degree. The reason I did that was I really enjoyed medicine. I really enjoyed helping people and um, kind of thinking about um, improving care on a case-by-case basis. But I also saw a lot of systems problems. I happened to be a chief resident in medicine and so had an experience where I saw like, okay, this healthcare system was not working so well and maybe you could affect change at a higher level. And so that's when I went to the policy school here at the University of Chicago to learn more about things like quality and safety and how to make an impact and do research. Um, And that sort of leads me to my job today where I'm an academic physician, but I also do, and I see patients teach, but I also do a lot of quality and safety research on how to improve um, care for hospitalized patients. Wow, that's awesome. Were you a, a traditional med, a pre-med student then? Uh, so it's funny. I would say, yes, I was a traditional student going through. Um, but maybe I was non-traditional in the fact that I was young. I was, you know, I went to medical school when I was 20. And I was definitely the, one of the younger people, the youngest person in my medical school class. And I became non-traditional later, certainly by being the only physician in um, a school of... Um, of public policy graduates um, and and sort of being the doctor in the room answering questions around regarding things like health policy or schooling. Um, so so it's funny, I think no matter, you know, everybody becomes non-traditional at some point in their career. And so mine just happened a little bit later. Wow. So I, I'm going to jump on the fact that you said you were 20 when you started medical school. Yeah. How was that? So I graduated Hopkins in three years, and so I was, um, so I and I, my, I have a very late birthday, so I turned twenty one within a few months of arriving to medical school, and I didn't tell anyone when I arrived how old I was initially, uh, but then word got out, so it was sort of like there were a lot of non traditional students in my class, and I think they sort of were reliving their old days by taking me out for my 21st birthday. So it sort of provided a um, kind of a fun event for the class. Um, I will say that um, it was, uh, you know, you know, being young and in medical school is interesting um, because you definitely encounter a lot of people that you, that are, that are of all walks of life. And so you kind of take that all in. Interacting with patients, I think when you're young is a little harder Um, and so I feel like my clinical practice really grew much later. Um, but I had a lot of cool experiences also, and being young afforded me time later to go back to school, which I don't know if everyone always has that opportunity. And so 
sort of a double-edged sword. It's sort of what you make of it. Did you find any any issues from admissions committees at the medical schools with your age? You know, it's funny. I don't think I would recommend it to people um, if if it was if it was me going through again. I um, I do think it hurt it hurt me uh, when I was interviewing um, for medical school just because I wasn't as polished and I didn't have as much extracurricular stuff. And I should say, you know, this was many years ago. So when I think about students today interviewing, I mean, it's like everyone has done amazing research and amazing service and amazing leadership. And, uh, and that's certainly not the case that was not the case in my day. And so, um, it was really tough to be, it was like a student excelled in one thing, you know, and sometimes that might've been just, um, possibly learning about opportunities. Like it wasn't, the internet wasn't as widespread. It wasn't, it was not as hard to learn. It was harder to learn about things. And so you kind of were uh, restricted to what you knew about your school and opportunities for pre-meds at your school. So I do think, I do think it did hurt me a little bit. Um, and, um, I think that it might've just been, you know, I mean, I think age does not go unnoticed. And so I think, you know, maturity level is a factor that admissions committees look at. And so I do think they're looking for people who have um, at least a little more seasoned, who are much more sure of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if, 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 if that's not, you know, if another year um, would help you do that, I would be all for that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, I, I want to add that taking an extra year does not, I mean, oftentimes I get this question, like, should I take a year off before I do this, that, and the other thing and do something interesting? And oftentimes taking a year off is never like a patchwork solution to cover up for a poor MCAT or a poor board score or a poor grade. So, um, so the answer is, you know, it can be helpful, but it's usually not, it's not going to be something that saves you, you know? Yeah, definitely. So let's, Skip forward to what you're doing now and, and your role in your current position and, and actually why I wanted to talk to you tonight. Uh, yeah, so right now I'm an associate program director for the residency program. And uh, for the last um, 10 years or so, I've been on the residency recruitment committee. And probably for the past seven to eight, I've been on part of the executive team. So I read a lot of residency applications. And um, as part of that, I definitely um, coach people at read a lot of personal statements. I've also worked as a career advisor in the medical school and have coached people on writing personal statements. And I did so today, in fact. Um, and so definitely a big believer in writing a good personal statement. So I think that's what I'm here to talk about. Yes, you are. And it's funny, personal statements, you would think it's kind of easy to talk about yourself, but it seems like that's one of the hardest parts of an application, both both the medical school application and the residency application. Yeah, I think people are just not familiar with that kind of form of self-expression of, of, of talking about yourself. And really, I would say it's not talking about you. It's talking about your journey and what makes you unique and a good fit for, um, for this career and the program that you're looking at. Um, what I often find is people end up talking about the field, like a career in medicine is or a career in residency, it's a career as an anesthesiologist will. And it's sort of funny because you have to remember your audience and you're talking to people who are experts in their field. And so they don't need somebody to tell them what a career in medicine is. Uh, What they're looking for is 
you know, who are you and why are you interested in medicine, you know, and what do you have to offer? That's an interesting look at it. So let's, let's start from the beginning. If I was a student, a medical student coming to you saying, I, I want to be an internal medicine resident, um, struggling with my personal statement, where do I start? Where, where would you go with that? So usually I will ask, uh, oftentimes people have already come to me, written it, have written a statement. And even just today, somebody came to me and said, you know, they were, they wrote about their love of pathophysiology. And I read 300 statements a year, possibly, uh, you know, more. And, you know, on the interview day, you know, it's really the personal statement is not what gets you an interview, but on the interview day, it is really what people will talk about. It's the first thing people will bring up. And so you don't want that first line to be, I love pathophysiology, because then that's, you're going to be the pathophysiology person for the rest of that <laughs> afternoon at the program. And so if I often say, imagine yourself at a cocktail party, you're not going to open with your love of pathophysiology. That's just not going to be on the top of your radar if you wanted to present yourself as an interesting person to a set of people. Um, so why would you open uh, your personal statement with that? So I often say, what's the most interesting or fun thing you've done? And people will have a gamut of answers to that, but they'll say, well, I don't know how to relate that to my field. And I was like, well, imagine how you felt when you're doing that interesting thing. And, you know, um, one of my students several years ago relayed a story about they, they love to ski and, you know, what it was like to learn how to ski. And then it was like, well, imagine how you felt when you when you know, you surmounted that challenge and think about how you felt when you're on your medicine rotation. So it's kind of like relate the feelings that you have while you're doing these things to the feelings that you have that when you're when you're doing your chosen field. Um, so so similarly, um, I had another student a while back who got to participate in a unique Japanese tea ceremony. And he said that was like the most interesting thing he had done. And it was, you know, it was like a respect for culture. And, you know, he learned a lot. It was very intricate. And, you know, he was able to parallel that to what um, being, uh, you know, his love of medicine uh, because of the love of details and taking a good history and appreciating people's culture. So oftentimes, if you're able to really find out what that inner interesting thing is, you're able, I would worry less about connecting it to your field and your, the rest of your personal statement, but open with something that's interesting about yourself because that's what people are going to remember you by. And, and many of the students I, I have counseled will, will say to me, um, you know, when they went on the interview that, that they got positive comments about their personal statement or that that was the thing that people talked to them about. And that gave them an edge because they were talking about something they were already passionate about as opposed to saying, I'm passionate about internal medicine, you know? Yeah. And that makes sense. It, you mentioned the personal statement doesn't get you the interview. So what is what is the role? It could deny you the interview. So, um, so you don't want to make it so um, full of red flags. Like so one year, I had a personal statement that I saw that was that was written like a soap note presenting a medical student, like twenty five year old med student seeks residency, and then the objective, you know. Um, so it was written like a progress note and that, that definitely turned people off. <laughs> uh, so I would say anything radical is a no, no. Um, so, um, you know, it, too short, also bad, too long, also bad. So the right, um, length is just about a page. Um, and 
the, um, the thing about the interview is most of the times interviews are granted based on hard numbers, grades, standardized test scores. If you're a, if you're a pre-med, it's your MCAT and your GPA. If you're, your, if you're, um, if you're a, um, resident, aspiring resident, it's going to be your board scores and your grades. Um, so it's really like interviews are often granted based on, you know, fit for the program based on a competitiveness of your numbers. Now, there are some exceptions. Um, you know, there are definitely schools like Pritzker that take into account fit. And, you know, elite schools are, that are kind of choosing between the most competitive applicants have that luxury. But at the same time, it's rare that a personal statement would really factor into your interview, into the decision to give you an interview. But I think it's a very big part of the impression that you leave on your interview day, and it can actually be a memorable part of your application. Yeah, that's that's a a good a good point. Is is it leaves that lasting impression? A, a good story. Every we're humans, we love stories, and a personal statement can tell that story. You got it, and. And whether it's creating your, you know, deciding who should be admitted for med school or creating the rank list for residency, people remember, oh, that's the person who liked to ski, you know, and and that's that's way more distinctive than, you know, oh, you know, this person loves pathophysiology, you know. <laughs> yeah. Who loves pathophysiology, first of all? Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about some red flags on a personal statement. What would you read in a personal statement that that makes you question either motivation or or just any red flags that would pop up in your head when reading one? Well, I would definitely say one of the biggest red flags is not to make it too personal, which is an oxymoron because it's your personal statement and people have a hard time writing about themselves. But I I think anything that questions your um, ability to be a good candidate and complete the training program you're joining is a red flag. And so it, you may have triumphed personal illness. You may still be battling personal illness. But, if, but disclosing that you have a personal illness is a, it, it is a very, very personal matter. And I would say you really need to seek consultation from a lot of people to decide whether that's the appropriate thing to do. It could be okay. And maybe that's the right thing to do, especially if you took time off and need to explain that. Um, and, you know, maybe you recovered. But if you're battling a chronic illness that is going to leave people wondering, can you do the job? I would probably err on the side of not including it. Um, there are some times where people disclose, um, you know, too much dirty laundry about, um, about the hardships that they've faced. For example, uh, I've read this line where, you know, I've, I've overcome challenges you know, during my pre-med curriculum or during my medical school curriculum, that is a red flag because the hardest challenges you face are not going to be academic and they're going to be, the ones that will be academic will be in the program you're joining. Uh, in typically medical school is way harder than college and residency is even harder than that. And so you don't want to highlight challenges you face before you've even gotten to the next stage, you know, that just highlights that you may not be the right person for the job. Yeah. I want to ask one thing you mentioned about personal, uh, maybe diagnoses that somebody may have that Mm -hmm. led to some time off. Would you say to, to talk about some time off 
and, and talking about some of those hurdles that they've had to overcome. Is it good to, to mention that they've had hurdles and they've overcome it? And that way that'll open up the discussion during the interview. What were some of the hurdles versus? Yeah, one of the one of our career advisors here will always say end on a positive. So it's like, you know, you're trying to put your best foot forward. And, um, you know, most people will be asked what their what their challenge that they faced was. And it's a lot easier to answer that in person and more genuine than to answer it on a piece of paper. And so my thought is you may have red flags that, you know, all this advice is customized. It has to be customized for the individual. So you may have red flags on your application, like perhaps you didn't do well on a specific course sequence or a standardized test, you know, that that may warrant an explanation, but by and large, you have to think carefully about how to frame it and how to include it. Um, and so it may, it may be a good fit for your personal statement to write that in there. Uh, but that's only if it doesn't leave the reader thinking and questioning that you're going to be able to survive the program. So for example, perhaps you had a family emergency and it's resolved now, you know, um, that may be a little bit easier to disclose in a personal statement than, um, than, you know, and, and kind of highlight why something didn't go so well than to say you're battling a chronic personal illness that you're still getting treatment for, you know, um, or, you know, mental health issues are common. Uh, mental health issues are also red flags. So if you've had a mental health issue, um, it's not something I would disclose in a personal statement, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, that seems to be one of the bigger questions that, that floats around the internet is battling depression and, and other no, mental I, health stuff. No, this is my personal advice. I would not disclose that in a personal statement. Um, there are a lot of people that are battling depression and it's common, um, but medical, the medical field is very challenging and it is a stressor. And so I do think people are going to be, be treating, um, applications that have that level of detail on their application a lot more critically and harsher than, than those without. Yeah, I agree. And, and residency tends to make a lot of people depressed ones that aren't already absolutely and the key is remember it's this is to put forward a positive these people the people reading your statement want to feel positive about you so um so too much too much downside negative story can be really harmful so um, even though that may be the greatest triumph is re- uh, recovering from depression surely there's another story that you have maybe the question is what did you do when you overcame your depression, maybe you went out and, um, you know, um, went on a trip or you did something fun and maybe you write about that, write about the positive things that you were able to do and the experience and how that made you feel, um, and your love of the field as opposed to, um, you know, your battling a chronic illness. Yeah. What's your, your thought on quotes, quotes and personal statements is another big question. You know, it's funny. I was just talking to somebody before I got on this phone call this for the podcast, and um, <laughs> she said, "Tell people not to put quotes in." <laughs> so, um, so my thought is, um, you know, the quote has to be really meaningful and well placed. I would not. I'm going to repeat. I would not open with a quote because 
a quote is somebody else's quote, and you don't want to open with someone else's quote as your personal statement. Again, that first line is often what dictates who you are at your interview. And so you really want to open with something much more meaningful, a story about yourself than a quote, because that's not going to be remembered. Um, I do think it's possible to end with a quote or to have a quote buried near the end, as long as it's well done. Um, and so, you know, and, and, you know, is it a quote by a literary artist, um, that you're particularly fond of? So does the quote say something about you, um, and your, and your likes that would be helpful? Like, oh, you like to read, you know, or you're a philosophy major, or you like to read, um, a certain type of, um, genre of literature. That's, that's what's more useful than the quote itself. And so I would use quotes very sparingly. And I repeat, I would not open with a quote. Yeah. And and I think the, the easiest way, I think you, you kind of hit on it, is that quotes, they're not your own words. And that's the whole point of a personal statement. You got it. What is the most memorable memorable personal statement you've read? What did it tell you? Um, gosh, I'll have to think about that. I read so many. And I think that might be the take-home message is that um, the, the really bad ones stick in my mind. <laughs> um, and, um, I will say there are definitely a few personal statements that have, that not necessarily that have stuck with me, but gave me an impression that day. And, um, you know, uh, for example, there, there have been personal statements I've read of, um, individuals who've done really outstanding things in their opening line in their hook worked at the Dr. Oz show, uh, worked for congressmen, um, you know, were Olympians and, you know, uh, represented their country. Those are the kind of things you remember about a personal statement. Um, but it's also, uh, you know, I will say a personal statement is also a well done personal statement also carries a thread through the entire statement. So sometimes it's, you know, there's the shock value in the beginning being like, oh, I did this amazing thing. But then it's the person who carries that thread through um, their entire statement and what they did. And that really tells a much more cohesive story about who they are. Yeah, it is. It's it's storytelling and it's hard. It's a, it's a fine balance here. As as medical students or, or as pre med students, the majority of a, majority of us are all science nerds, and we don't really write for for a living in our in right. school. Well, actually, that's a good point because this is not creative writing. It's not supposed to be really well done prose. So there is this kind of kind of idea that you're not supposed to write something that's like a literary magazine. Um, but you're supposed to write about yourself in a coherent way. That's not. So just because you're not writing literary prose doesn't mean it's not interesting. So that's kind of the, the, the tension there. People think, oh, it's formulaic, it's boring. And it's like, no, no, it's boring and formulaic, but it can be interesting and formulaic too. Yeah. A couple other things I want to hit on. First of all, I think a lot of students maybe underestimate the time that it takes to write a polished personal statement. I I definitely believe that. I think that uh, people, you know, it, it's not until you get in there that you realize it's really difficult. I have students that often will say that um, it takes them, um, you know, several rounds of um, getting a personal statement written. Um, and so I agree. It, it doesn't it doesn't happen overnight. 
Yeah. What's a, a typical time frame that you see for students writing drafts and drafts of personal statements? Is, is there a, an average that you could guess? It's hard to say. I don't think people are working on their personal statement every minute of the day. So I would say usually um, about a, a week or two is about the quicker end for a personal statement. It might be more like a month because you're kind of you do what you can, then you put it away, you, you show it to others. That's a key thing, showing it to others, get feedback, then take that back, revise. So it's kind of this iterative process. And so you can't do it every day. So that's why it's probably like in a week, you may work on it twice a week and then twice a week or once a week for the next few weeks. So it's, it, I would say it usually takes several weeks for it to really mature and come together. Yeah, and I think the the point that you just hit on the iterative process part of that is is not looking at it for a while and and kind of forgetting about it and going back and looking at it with fresh eyes. You got it. So let's let's carry the personal statement into the actual interview. Mm-hmm. Have you seen examples of students that write a beautiful personal statement and then aren't able to really talk about it during the interview? Um, fortunately, I haven't seen too much of that. I would say people know that what's ever on your application is fair game and you should be able to present that accurately. Um, so usually I have not seen that. I've, I've seen a much more synergy between the personal statement and the, and the applicant. Um, but that probably speaks to the fact that if you spent a lot of time on your personal statement, you really, you know who you are and you've, you've decided, um, how to represent yourself. Um, in a positive way, um, more often than not, it's sort of the scattered personal statement and the scattered personality that go together, you know? Yeah. And you're not interviewing those at Pritzker. Oh, well, I should <laughs> say I see that. I do see that. Okay. You asked me about a, the opposite question, which is if I see a beautiful personal statement and somebody was not able to, to um, kind of explain what they did. And usually that's rarer. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about the scattered personal statement. It, and and the interviewer, you said they they kind of go hand in hand. Well, yeah, I mean, if you if your if your personal statement is not cohesive and organized, it's going to be harder to present yourself as an organized individual. And oftentimes, it, this is fascinating. The personal statement is really the story that dis, that tells people kind of your journey. And this is especially important for non traditional applicants because the way these applications are set up is it sometimes doesn't flow what dates you did what. And, you know, sometimes work is separated from research and separated from schooling. And so it's, it's kind of like the interviewer is having a hard time figuring out, was this a really long gap year or was this person working during that year or doing research? And they, they have a hard time figuring out. And that's where the personal statement comes in because that can really add, add some, you know, um, kind of a, a framework for the interviewer to understand what your career path and trajectory has been. And so if you don't have that in the personal statement, then you often are opening the interview with trying to be like, you know, oh, what are you doing right now? Oh, you're doing a year off. Oh, you know, where where did you, where were you before? You know, and you're often trying to backpedal to like fill out the picture because the application does not kind of, it doesn't fit together as a nice, neat timeline. It's more like categories of activities and that's where the personal statement provides usually the trajectory of time. Okay. Interesting. So let's finish up with some, some tips that you would have for medical students 
in general, possibly coming and, and rotating at Pritzker as, as a medical student looking to come there as a resident? What kind of advice do you have for students? Oh, you mean for medical students rotating on our services? Yeah, coming through and and they they want to they want to go there for residency and yeah. they're rotating. I would say um, this is me, but I actually don't advise people to do away rotations unless they they really feel they have to in order to get on the radar of the program. So if you're a good if you're if you've got the numbers and you think you're going to get an interview, I would not go audition there beforehand because that just gives people more data points to to uh, you know cuz you're inter- you're going to get an interview anyway so why give people more data points than an interview you know interesting so that's that's uh, that is in medicine i know that there are some surgical subspecialties where that's very commonplace doing away rotations is commonplace but after years of advising i will note that um you know often more often than not it backfires and the person who um, if a person who looks really good on paper, all it takes is one or two bad moments in an operating room or, you know, it's like an audition. The entire thing is like an interview. And so you want to be really careful. Um, so for, for students that are rotating um, at Pritzker or at, you know, any of these hospitals, I would say, you know, be cognizant of the fact that you're on an interview the entire time you're there. And so you don't want to badmouth people. You you don't want to let your guard down. You don't want to like do anything deviant. Um, even if the residents are participating in, you know, making fun of something, you, you don't want to be a part of it. Um, but you don't want to stick out either. So you want to just basically be as, um, as unobtrusive as possible. And you want to be part of the team. The real issue is being a really, really helpful member of the team is going to go miles. The residents are also, you know, they are part of the interview team. They may not, you know, have the name interviewer or faculty, but they're the ones who are going to give feedback to be like, is this student a good student or not? So keep that in mind um, and be helpful to your residents and to your faculty that you're rotating with and try to get a pulse on the place. Um, and when you're there, it's helpful to meet with the program directors or other people, understand who drives recruitment and see if you can like kind of get your, um, get your name or your face in front of that person. So they at least know who you are before recruitment season starts. How would a student find that out? Um, you know, if you're, if in medicine, it's very easy to, cause you know, a lot of times resident report is near the chief resident's office and you can just ask the chief residents. You can ask the resident on your service. So use the residents on your service that you're rotating with as the, as your guides, because they're really your ambassadors. Okay. Other students are very helpful too. I mean, there are a lot of fourth years in the hospital and many times, you know, you help them, they help you. You're you're able to talk about your place um, and what it's like to, to be at your place. And you might run into them on the interview trail. Yeah. Great. Any other parting words of wisdom? I would definitely uh, just say it's really important that a lot of people who you know read your personal statement and that sometimes it's good to have people you don't know read it uh, because people who know you tend to be like, oh, this looks great. So I have a lot of people that come into my office and I mean, I, I redline everything they write and tell them this, this is terrible and they leave, but they leave happy because no one has said that to them before. And so, so I think it's important to be cognizant that we often 
you know, go to the people that like us the best and sort of give us like the, uh, the advice that we're great. And sometimes it's good to bounce a personal statement off of somebody who, who doesn't know you to be like, does this sound like an interesting person? Um, and see if that answer comes together, you know? What do you mean this is terrible? My mom said it was beautiful. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, Vinny, thank you very much for taking some time and talking with me. Yeah, no, thanks. Good luck to you. And uh, good luck to all of the uh, listeners. I hope that you guys succeed with your next uh, phase of the application process. Awesome. I hope you guys listening got some great information from Dr. Aurora. I hope that the stuff that we talked about will maybe spark something in your mind as you're going to write about your personal statement or, or going to write your personal statement. We were kind of talking and we were a little bit more specific on residency because that's that's the role that she plays in, in her day-to-day life. But I, I think everything we talked about can be used at, when writing a personal statement for your medical school application too. It's a lot of the same kind of thoughts and ideas on how to get started, what to avoid, and, and the general message that you want to Uh, portray in your personal statement so again hopefully you found some some great tidbits in there if you have any thoughts or have anything you want to add you can do so at the show notes page medicalschoolhq.net slash session 38 and as always you can connect with us on twitter at medicalschoolhq or shoot us an email feedback at medicalschoolhq.net. As always, I hope the information brought to you today will help better guide you on your path to becoming a physician. We hope to see you next time here at the Medical School Headquarters Podcast. <laughs>